I'm Kate Thompson-Davey, a freelance journalist and the technology columnist for Business Day. I'm joined on the line today by Sabine Diedering, the Regional Sales Manager of Dell Technology South Africa. We're talking about the great leveler, how cloud has unlocked enterprise-level technology for small and medium enterprises. Welcome and thanks for joining me. And I'm I'm absolutely delighted to be here today. Thank you. I know that we've got quite a range of topics to talk about today. So let's dive straight into it. One of the things that we highlighted up front was this perception that bigger companies have access to bigger and better technologies and that that gives them a competitive advantage over their small or medium enterprise peers. Has that changed over the years and if so, how? Well... You certainly hit the nail on the head there, um, Kate, that in the past, um, the big institutions or retailers, they had much more resources and deeper pockets and still have that. But technology has changed to the degree that you don't need oodles of specialized IT staff to get a certain outcome. So, um, and, and what we've seen, especially in the last couple of months, if you just think back, about most certainly for myself, I think back about how did I do my shopping during lockdown. It was not the, mostly the big retailers I bought from them, but through the platforms of a lot of these new startups. And that's a very good example how smaller companies are more agile and pivot to new business models much faster because they don't have this legacy of these massive back-end systems. They kind of try to add on an online purchasing platform but it's, but it's not about that. It's about rethinking your business model from the customer backwards. And I think that's where the medium and, and smaller businesses definitely have an advantage over the big ones because they very often struggle, not all of them, but many of them struggle to do that that quickly. Mm. No, that's very true. I've um, also enjoyed <laughs> purchasing via the apps, which, as you say, you know, legacy used to be an advantage, used to have a huge amount of technology behind you, um, resources and procedures. And now it's almost a bit of a hindrance, which is an interesting sort of shift. What evolving uh, technologies can medium businesses benefit from? So one technology I'd like to start off with is actually not that new. It's called virtualization. It's been around for a good 10 years. But um, it's now gone to the next level where you can, and, and I don't want to go too technical, but where you can con- have converged and hyper-converged technologies, which are so easy to use. So you've got 99% less admin. You've got a pane of glass where you can pick up if there's any issues. So you do not need to have that specialized storage guy and that specialized networking lady and, and all those really high-powered resources to manage your environment. You can have a single platform to to do this for you. And on top of that, the software-defined everything, so software-defined networking, software-defined storage, etc., will also give you a good platform. If, for example, as a small or medium business, you need to grow or expand or be more flexible, and then on top of that, you also want to containerize, and it's just, it's, it's exactly that. It's like, think about your Tupperware where you put your, your peas in and then you put them in the, in the fridge. 
that's what a container does in, in the IT world as well. So you put your data inside a container and then you can take the container and you can put it in the fridge, meaning into your, um, into your own in environment, or you put it into the microwave, which might be your cloud provider, but you take it where it is the most suited platform for that data to reside. And you can keep it secure and all those good things. So there is a lot of these emerging technologies and I don't want to go too technical. So we're here to help. We have got workshops that where we take your business problem. And I'm very excited. I've spoke to uh, one customer, a brand new customer the other day. And he said, yeah, they're battling with the call center agent um, manager. He doesn't want to go the VDR route like the IT department. And I said, why don't we have a joint workshop where we understand his business concerns and then we develop the right platform? Because quite frankly, I'm pretty sure what you've suggested is a good fit. But there is a perception or the, the misunderstanding between the business owner and the IT department. And we're here to help. And we can absolutely run a workshop, a two, three-hour workshop, where we take all your business requirements, look at where you're at today, where would you like to be, and then define the right technology, and that goes to IT. Fantastic. This is part of digital transformation. Uh, and I think that that can be, that word suffers from jargonization. People hear <laughs> it, and everyone's adopting it, right? Yeah. But it is a competitive advantage for medium businesses. Can you tell me a little bit about how it is that? I'd like to go back to the example that we had earlier with the retailers and, and the shopping experience on these new emerging platforms. So a good example for digital transformation is that this platform is easy to use. It thinks about me as a consumer. It gives me what I want. And it also pops up with, here's the items to buy regularly. So that is, um, and, and you find it across many, many industries. You, you can find it across, you know, reading apps where you, where you can get curated news. You can find it across a lot of industries where, where you get something that's tailor, not tailor made to you necessarily, but takes your, your preferences when it, when it gives you suggestions. And I do think that is what, what we're after is to, to have a certain level of, customer focus, customer centric focus. I'll give you another good example. I had an experience uh, not long ago by a uh, pure online retailer and it, um, you know, something went wrong. I mean, things go wrong, something arrived, it wasn't working. And, and they immediately picked up how much money I spent with them <laughs> and immediately said, okay, don't worry, we'll sort you out. So, so also having to, I mean, obviously they're, they're something is not working, they have to sort you out anyway, but it, it was kind of you get a customized treatment depending on what your profile is. And, and you can end that to anything. You can extend it to car dealerships, you can extend it to, to banks. There is no business model where it can't be applied. Logistics, you name it. Every Retailers, I mean, shopping malls, there we can apply that as well. You know, where you can mm. say, okay, footfall going, those kind of things. So digital transformation is thinking about the customer first and then thinking how can I meet the customer's needs best. Yeah, so you mentioned personalization there, and not quite personalization, but what I find quite interesting about a digitally transformed 
let's take retail, for example, is if those processes are in place, um, then you can manage the exceptions. You can manage where things go wrong because you're not managing the volume that you would normally. Um, so that allows you to, to get hold of Sabina and say, oops, we've taken too much money or, you know, did you want this uh, and how do we fix it? Uh, precisely, and it happens. I mean, we all, we all know that happens. But yes, you want to manage, you want to automate the 80% of transactions or the 80% of workflows that go well. You want to automate that. And, and I'd, I'd like to call out a technology that's been around for ages and probably 90% of our customers use some form of it and it's called CCTV. So, mm -hmm. so you've got your CCTV data and you've been storing it somewhere just in case um, a worker breaks his legs on, on the shop floor and you need to just review if it's a workman compensation claim or an old lady's handbag gets stolen in, in a shopping mall. So that's the traditional CCTV, but there's so much more you can do with this data. You've already got it. So speak to us because we have um, a, a lot of use cases from, for, for example, for COVID and health screening. So if mm -hmm. you walk into a shopping mall or into a workspace, they take your temperature. What if you take your CCTV data that is already in existence in your uh, parking lot and you approach people that have an elevated temperature before mm. they get to the shopping mall. It's less intrusive, it's, it's far more secure, it's easier to manage. Another example is that we also can check for inventory control, quality control on the shop floor. So we reduce the number of people that have to do a manual task of you know, counting inventory or doing quality control. 80% to your point can be automated, so you only need humans for the 20% of exceptions. So the inventory that's not on the shelf, um, that is maybe in transit, or the quality control that is not up to scratch, you know, double check that. Um, you can use it for reactive security. I mean, like a good example is, and I don't know the details, so wouldn't tell me, is if you look at the casinos, mm -hmm. um, it's not like in the movies where there is 20 screens and someone's watching 20 screens because that's physically and mentally impossible. So what the software does, it picks up if something's wrong or out of the ordinary, not wrong, if something's out of the ordinary at one of the tables. And then it will amplify that one table for a human to look at if something is going on there. And as I say, sadly, the, the people that own the software are not sharing with me their secret. <laughs> so I'm not winning millions at, um, at the casino. <laughs> Good example to show what reactive security uh, can do. So you don't have to watch each and every one. Um, if, if you have a factory environment or retail environment, you can then send security guards where there is something out of the ordinary instead of having staff roaming the floor. And right now, sadly, um, more staff means more risk at this point mm -hmm. in time with the COVID-19. Another one is retail checkouts where you can scan for sweetheart deals. So someone is scanning the bottle of clippies when actually they're buying very expensive stuff or they're, they're scanning one instead of five items. So that can be done um, through CCTV um, retail goods receiving where you, you know, people sign off on more goods than were actually delivered. Um, and then one big one right now, obviously, optimizing the social distancing 
or the walking flow inside a factory or inside a, a shop to make sure that you have the right flow so that people can keep the social distance. And all of that, and there's plenty of more examples, all of that can be done with your existing CCTV data. So we'd love to talk about these things. I'm very curious. I love to talk to business owners and understand what is their business all about and how do they differentiate themselves from their competition. And then we can help them find the right technology to make them more money or save money or reduce the risk. Because quite frankly, that's what, what technology is all about. Make you more yeah. money, save you money or reduce risk. I think it's interesting that um, a couple of those examples are, again, to use the jargon, an existing technology that's been sort of pivoted to yes. a new problem. You know, we're yes. all trying to figure out what to do with COVID-19. How do we live in this world? Um, and rather than start from scratch, if you have that digital transformation backbone, mm. you're in a position um, to respond in a, in a much more uh, flexible way. 100%. And, and it, it makes it more convenient for me as the customer. It makes it less intrusive. It makes it more convenient for you as the supplier, as, as a shopping mall owner or the shops inside. So and it will give you a competitive edge because I'd rather go to that mall than to another one where I know I'm safe, I'm looked yeah. after but I don't have somebody um, holding this temperature thing against my forehead every time I enter. So because it's all monitored entry. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of things that we also um, uncover from our own experience. I mean, I um, had to go to the hospital the other day and I was absolutely mortified. And the hospital, by the way, is one of our customers and so is the medical aid. It's one of the smaller medical aids it's also in, in the medium business team. And I was absolutely mortified how many times you have to fill in certain forms. Mm -hmm. so, so we are now talking to both sides and the medical aid is, is super interested to have a collaborative approach to this problem. You know, we obviously side needs to own their own data and they need to secure their own data, but, but maybe have a way of sharing that data or have a, have a, a point where they can hand over that data between each other because it would make me happier is the patient. It would mm. make more efficient for the medical aid and it would give um, the hospital a, a, an edge over other hospital providers because I don't have to fill in the same form like 13 times. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the benefit, I guess, of having a partnership with your technology provider because a lot of the times the people who put those regulations in place are not the people who bought the technology tool so they don't know the capability of it but if you have an ongoing relationship then someone like yourself can come in and say you know this was my experience and we already have the tools to fix that for you to streamline that for you and, and absolutely like like you said also things that weren't possible maybe a couple of years ago for example unstructured data which is your voice data or your imaging so a typical example if you look at a hospital it would be all the images that they do you know your sonar your x-rays etc etc it's so easy now to store them securely in a digital way and I, instead of having to repeat the same process all the time or having to dig up the pictures from the last time when i did this procedure 
I could have it on a little card with a little chip on it. That's where I'd like to push this discussion with, with uh, the parties. But um, it's definitely something that wasn't perhaps possible or was very expensive maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. And now it's, it's all affordable and you can, you can do it if you want to. Yeah. And then you've got those, as you say, medium-sized health providers who are able to provide a um, composite or even a better experience than the, the big multinationals. Get a differentiated service from that medium um, business or, or um, you know, that, that is not um, your run-of-the-mill um, kind of experience for me as a customer. So it's differentiated and it makes me stick to that, for example, healthcare provider or that lab or that, that hospital more than if they wouldn't do that. I'm also chatting to Doug Woolley, who's the Managing Director of Dell Technologies South Africa. And one of the topics that we are focusing on is the idea of being a responsible corporate citizen, mm -hmm. of being an ethically based business. And I know that this has come up in a lot of the Dell Technologies seminars and events that I've been to over the years. I've been quite impressed, to be honest, that there is a drive in this direction. So what I, you know, with, with Doug, what I spoke about was making progress real on those moonshots that Dell has set itself. Your personal project within that, though, your passion is for women empowerment. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct, sir. Um, we have employee resource groups and I'm leading the Women in Action resource group. We also have Black Networking Alliance, Planet, True Ability, and Generation Next. And by the way, I'm also a member of all the other ERGs. Um, just because I'm older doesn't mean I cannot um, help the next generation. Um, mm. The moonshot goals are really important for Dell because it, it makes the progress real, as you mentioned. It's, it's all about being sustainable, looking at recycling, looking at your whole supply chain, about your supplies and so forth. So that's very, very important. And, but it also looks at the makeup of the staff. So it should be 50-50 male and female, and that's part of the moonshot goals for 2030. In the leadership um, environment, they're looking at 40% female versus 60% male. At the moment, it's 25% female. Um, and then, obviously, also looking at the demographics of each country, meaning in South Africa, obviously, getting to more non-white um, leadership. So, basically, that's where, where we're focusing on. And my personal focus is on women empowerment. And there's a lot of programs that we're running with the community. Uh, our Dell Development Fund is running the Kulisa Academy, which gives predominantly um, young ladies that wouldn't have a chance on a tertiary education. They give them a skill on high-performance computing, mm. which is uh, sought after. And even in times like these, we have never a problem to place all these people that go through the Kulisa Academy when they finish with their studies. And, and those are the kind of things which I'm also involved from an ERG because we mentor those students. And it's, it's been proven that ladies that study a STEM subject have a 60% higher chance of finishing their degree if they have a mentor throughout their studying. So that is, mm. that is why we get involved in that, for example. That's fantastic. 
fantastic. I, I think that mentorship is um, is so critical, and it was something that I wanted to ask about how we bring more women into STEM subjects and ultimately careers. Are there any other examples that you give or that you've seen work? Yes. Um. So, so we actually start at the school level, so grades eight and nine. We have a program that's called Digital Futures, and we still have to pivot successfully to fully zoom kind of meetings there because not all the schools have the right technology and we have to work with smaller groups but basically what it is we, we reach out to grades eights and nines to talk to them about their own biases towards the stem subjects and and that there is no career and no job that you can follow that will not have it in as part of their job in some form or shape it's it's really hilarious when we ask those questions and you say, so what do you want to study? Oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I don't need IT. And then obviously you have all those videos uh, to show. And uh, we even have a video of a beekeeper and how he uses IT. So it's, it's actually very, very interesting. And also that you do not have to study information technology to get a job in, in the IT field. Um, so my background, for example, my master's was in communications. So you, you can come from various backgrounds. So we do that in grades eights and nines to before they make the subject choice for metric. And that's aimed at, at um, ladies, obviously. Then during the university, not only the Kalisa Academy, we also have our bursary students and other students that we help with uh, mentors. And then when they come into the workforce, um, we, we do have a strong desire to hire interns and graduates into the business, into various jobs, and then also to mentor those that are new into the job. And we even have a program called Releasing Female Potential, which works with people that, um, ladies that are in their job maybe for a couple of uh, years, two, three years, and want to get to the next level and want to understand what they need to do. And it, it was quite interesting. I was chatting to the ladies um, last week and one lady said to me, yeah, I thought it would be more like a how-to, uh, like a manual. And yet I'm working much more on myself. You know, it's very often that ladies don't feel that they can apply for a job unless they tick all the boxes or um, the importance of showing up and speaking up and, and having a voice and being heard, you know, and, and, and those kind of things are especially culturally different. So some of them um, are coming from a culture where women are not encouraged to speak up. So it's, some, it's a learned behavior that, that, we, um, that we address there. It's not all about the technology. And if I just do these five courses, I'm going to get my next job. <laughs> Yeah, you're sort of tackling um, internalized bias on both ends of the spectrum. Yes. Okay, and then just to end off a fun one, if I can, I always like to ask people what their favorite new piece of technology or device is. And if I could push you to answer that for me, that would be fantastic. I'm very boring here because my absolute favorite device at the moment is my trusted power bank. So when we have these load shedding, and um, my, my laptop battery actually lasts for 11 hours, so it's pretty good, but my, my phone doesn't always last that long. And, and I can use the power bank to charge anything. So I'm very happy that, um, that at the moment we don't have load shedding, but I'm very happy when it happens that I always have a backup 
plan for, for my devices. Sabina, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really enjoyed chatting to you. It was wonderful chatting to you. Thank you very much, Kate. Delighted to be here.